Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. I just realized what a miracle you are. Praise the Lord. And uh, God's given us time with you and we, we certainly are thankful for that. Praise the Lord. Um, I told you that I wanted to share a little bit of a testimony with you all, but I just uh, have across my mind uh, tonight that I might want to ask you if you have any testimonies about what the Lord's doing in your life, and we could just take a little bit, but the deacons have asked me to share a little bit of testimony about uh, our trip this, um, this past week, and so I want to share that with you, and as well um, be able to share uh, from the Word of God tonight. So anyone at all have a, a testimony tonight that's just bur- burning on your heart? You need to sh- uh, say something, and, uh, and, and so it's burning on your heart. Going once, twice. Opportunities for you. All right, we'll come back to it. All right, be thinking about that. Maybe next Sunday night, be thinking about how you, uh, how you could encourage the congregation with your your own word of testimony. Um, so I want to I want to say just give a little bit of uh, history here that that might be helpful to you. And I trust that all this would allow you to pray, know know how the Lord is is moving. Uh, really in our church, because anytime he uses one of us, he's using our church, uh, church family. Um, but he, he, has a, he has a desire to, uh, to use us, uh, not just in this community, uh, around our state and in the world. Um, but I want to go back, you know, as a child, uh, I, I grew up uh, being taught to love God and love our country. My dad was a Marine. Um, he uh, served during the Vietnam era, but did not actually see action. Uh, you've met him, brother, um, brother Huey, and uh, but he didn't. He he was in Okinawa, but he, we grew up just having a, an appreciation for our country, knowing that we ought to love it. Um, I can remember back as a young man. I don't remember. I should have done the calculation on time on time frame, but I can remember uh, just sensing the need of our nation back in the '90s and. Uh, Remembering after the first term of Mr. Clinton and uh, the dis- the disgrace, the moral disgrace that happened during that uh, during the term, and uh, then when it was reelected, just just sensing in my own heart as a young man, uh, our country's not in good shape when we're reelecting uh, these types of uh, these types of things uh, when there's such a moral disgrace. And remember going to our family's living room uh, down the basement, uh, you know, uh, apartment where we were, and just praying and just saying, Lord, what in the world is happening in our country? And sensing that as a young man in my own heart, I grew up, my pastor would take us to uh, Indianapolis, to the RCA Dome, uh, to, uh, to a uh, convention, many Christians gathering together, and at this convention, it was called the Citizens Concern for the Constitution. We'd hear speakers and different people that would just alert us what's going on in the world. Anyone hear of, hear of that, uh, Citizens Concern for the Constitution? Anyway, it's just mainly an Indiana thing, but I, I come across people that are in, uh, know about that. But nonetheless, I go there, and you just just you'd hear the march music, you'd hear uh, you'd hear people uh, as Christians standing up for values and morality and, and God's truth. And boy, that made an impression on my heart early on. I was delighted when I first uh, was able to vote and to be able to vote with biblical values and be able to be a part of, of that. So that was that was uh, that was just part of who I was and who God was. Uh, raising me up to be through my parents, through my pastor, and, and so on. Uh, I remember March 22nd, 2003. Uh, do you remember, you remember when 9-11 happened, right? Do you remember where you were? I do. And uh, remember uh, after 9-11, there was such a surge of, of uh, churches being filled uh, those Sundays after. Wish that had stayed on, right? Don't you? Uh, remembered a surge of patriotism, uh, just a, a love for country, flags flying everywhere. Boy, flags were, were uh, flying on, you know, in the new thing, seeing them on windows, and you just, they were just everywhere. Do you remember that? I mean, it's just really a, an interesting time in our country. All the, the representatives and senators on the Capitol steps singing God Bless America. 
I mean, that's a, that's a prayer and song, and you remember that? Um, there was an individual radio personality at that point, his name was Glenn Beck, who began holding rallies for America across the country, and they were doing a bus tour, and one of them was coming to Fort Wayne, Indiana, to Auburn, Auburn Indiana, um, to the eBay auction barn, and somehow, and I don't remember how it, how it all happened, it was an auto auction barn, so it was a very large uh, barn, and I don't remember how exactly it happened, but I, I knew as I was 19 at that point, the Lord had called me at the age of 17, and I was about ready to go into college, um, I, it would have been that fall. And uh, I knew the Raleigh organizer, and so I, I called them and I said, hey, uh, I'd love to help out with organizing, you know, and, and getting out the word here in my own city, but is there going to be prayer at this Raleigh? And he says, well, I'll ask and I'll, I'll get back with you. He calls me back. He says, yes, there's going to be prayer. It's going to be two other pastors and you. And so they invited me to pray at this rally, and uh, I was like, whoa, this is, this is an opportunity. But uh, there ended up being 20,000 people there that day. And as a 19-year-old man, I remember still this, this, uh, this uh, uh, older pastor behind stage. I was petrified. And the behind stage, he, just, he, he actually stands right in my face, and he says, you just pray whatever God puts on your heart. And so anyway, he was quite a, he was quite a pastor. I don't remember his name, but I remember that moment. And uh, um, met Mr. Beck that day, but was, was thankful uh, for his leadership in, in that way. But began to just see the Lord just give opportunities like that. Uh, I'm going to fast forward um, a, a lot. In 2011, when the Lord um, brought me here in 2007, um, didn't intend to stay here. Um, I just didn't know what the Lord was going to do. I thought the Lord would put me in a, into a pastorate somewhere uh, somewhere else, but 2009, the church asked me to come on part-time. 2011, we were inviting our chief of police to, uh, to a service here. I believe it was an open house service, Pastor Shaw and I, and they, um, they uh, came into the meeting, into the, board, uh, the, the boardroom down there at the police department, and the lieutenant that was over the chaplaincy said, hey, um, we need a chaplain. We've lost a chaplain. We need a chaplain. Uh, would, wondered if you would be interested in that. And so uh, Pastor Shaw said, hey, go for it. And uh, in 2012, late 2011, 2012, God opened up the door, which opened up the door into the city, um, just connecting with the government officials right here in the city, uh, praying uh, publicly and, and so forth. And uh, even, I, I don't remember what year it was, there was a point in there, I've mentioned to you that um, the city came and asked me to, um, if I'd be willing to stop praying in Jesus' name. And, uh, and the, the chief knew what my answer was going to be on that. And I thank God for the chief that we have right now who stood with me um, on that matter and said, no, we're, gonna, we're going to, we're going to uh, stand with religious freedom right in our city. And you know, you realize that even in small cities like ours, uh, the battle is, is waged, uh, the spiritual battle is waged. And so the Lord has allowed through that opportunity to get to know some of the government officials, the, the mayor, and so on, the new, uh, new mayor. In fact, uh, many of these folks have been in this, in this place. Uh, and, uh, I've met with our new mayor in, in, in this place and, and prayed with her, gave her a Bible, uh, shared my salvation testimony with her, uh, encouraged her in, uh, in her family and uh, towards the Lord. And so... I, the, part of this testimony I want you to know is throughout my time here, um, the Lord has just given opportunity and opened up doors that I've not sought to, to connect with uh, either elected officials, those that are, that are leading uh, in an elected position, or those that are in candidates. And I want to say this, most if not all have received um, a, a word of testimony uh, the gospel or the done book. I can remember meeting with our, one of our senators and just asking him after we got done with all the pleasantries all right over at Panera. Good things happen at Panera. I said, I need 10 minutes just to share, share something that's very important with me, uh, to me. And I shared the gospel in full and we still have a uh, connection. He's still one of our senators. And just those opportunities to share the gospel to those folks, God's concerned about them too, right? They, they have lives. In fact, if, if you want, this is public, so this isn't betraying anything, but um, right before our new mayor um, became mayor, she lost her 15-year-old grandson in a boating accident. Well, you can be guaranteed she's a real person with a real grandmother's heart. And it, it, uh, it, it's something that we ought to pray with her and, and connect with her and, and, and certainly uh, have and mention that when it happens. So um, I want to say this, that... <laughs> When God called me to, or when I, I should say submitted to the call to preach at the age of 17, uh, God changed everything inside me. I wanted to be a police officer. That was what I was, I was, I was uh, going after. I wanted to be that. 
But at the age of 17, when I surrendered that to the Lord, submitted that to the Lord, he changed every desire. And he put in my heart a passion, a desire to be a pastor. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy that if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. The word desire there I've told you is that the desire, uh, the word for like lust, a, a, a passionate craving. And that's exactly what it is. God puts that in a man's heart. And I believe in the specific call uh, to, the, uh, to the pastor. And God did that at the age of 17 in my pastor's office on a Thursday night when I knelt, knelt down and said, Lord, it's, it's yours. I'm done pursuing after my own, uh, own way. And I say that to say this, that I love pastoring and I love pastors. Uh, I, love, I love what God has allowed me to do. And everything I'm saying here tonight, I feel, is, is, is a testimony of the extension of that, not a replacement of that. So, um, as the Lord allows, I, I, as, a, as a pastor, I love uh, developing uh, relationships, making relationships, whether uh, here in the city with uh, folks that are new to our, um, to our, uh, to our church, uh, new in our city, just keeping up relationships with people that need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put, um, put appointments on a, my calendar from the lobby this, this morning. If you see me out there with my cell phone, a lot of times it's me making an appointment with somebody to meet with them uh, in the week and to, uh, to minister to them in that way. And so um, I, I, I love relationships. And for, uh, for the state of Ohio, um, the Lord has, uh, I don't know, has probably been five, six um, uh, years longer than that. I've kept a list of pastors that uh, as the Lord would allow us to call them together, whether it's to meet a preacher and be encouraged in that way, come together for a fellowship meeting. I've just kept a list of pastors to encourage, keep a list of pastors on my phone, text them often, but just trying to encourage them uh, in what they're doing. Um, and praising the Lord, we, we've, uh, I've told you about our, our new pastor friend over in Hilliard, Ohio. By the way, I was blessed. Uh, Brother Brenton um, Brubaker went over and uh, um, met with him on Saturday just to en encourage them with their, um, their outreach, their Easter outreach uh, at that, at, uh, on Saturday and said that was a blessing. But uh, love encouraging these pastors, but love encouraging them in, in, in the work of the Lord and what God is calling us to do in this state. Uh, in February, or in 2019, the Lord connected me with Byron Fox. You all remember him? What a, what a guy. By the way, he's preaching up at Troy Baptist Church tonight, and uh, this week, if you want to go support that meeting, uh, they're having revival meetings, uh, and he's also preaching later on in the week over at Pickering Baptist Temple uh, over uh, in the Columbus area. But I met him, and, and Byron has just a way of encouraging, and, and, and we had him here first for a choir clinic, and uh, he's going to help us get a choir going again, uh, again at some point. I, I know that. He, he's wanting to help us with that. But um, he, uh, he came, and he was just an encouragement. He sat down in my office and said, hey, I just want to encourage you what's going on. And I shared what's, you know, what's going on in the ministry and, and so on. And he's just, just an encourager. 2020, I believe it was, he came and preached our revival. In August or July 2020, Brother Fox asked me, he says, I, I want you. He doesn't ever, he doesn't ask you anything. He always, he always just uh, he says, I need you to. He's kind of one of those guys that, that Valen told you. And he says, I need you to host a pastor's meeting uh, to encourage pastors to be salt and light in the public arena. So that was going to be August, so I hosted it, and many pastors came, and uh, they were encouraged by the, the group of pastors that, uh, that were there. We ended that, that uh, pastor's meeting down here in the fellowship hall uh, with uh, How Great Thou Art, all the pastors singing. And, but they were encouraged as they met um, Brother Chad Conley of Faith Winds, uh, and we're encouraged just to be engaged in the public arena. Don't just keep Christianity inside the four walls of your church. Take God's truth out there into the public arena. Uh, it's not getting less dark out there. It's getting more dark out there. And we stand back in the, you know, the sidelines and we just let it happen. And, and we're the blame, not, not the immoral people leading us. Uh, we're the blame because we haven't been salt and light everywhere God's wanted us to be. And so as we hosted that, met um, Brother Chad Conley for the first time, and was really impacted by the statistic of this, that 82 million people in America um, profess to be Christians. And then to realize in 2012 that only 32 million of them voted. Only 50 million of them were registered to vote. Only 32 million voted. And I hear a whole lot of Christians bellyaching about the fact that we have people doing bad things in public office, and they're not voting. I'm thinking, well, this, this isn't right. God's church is letting down, the, letting down the ball. We're dropping the ball. It's our responsibility to be salt and light everywhere. It's our responsibility. Our vote is our voice. It's our responsibility. And I was stirred by that. You know, I realized that God created three institutions. Help me out with that. What are the three institutions that God created? So family, 
church and okay in what order did he do it actually family then what government where do we find that genesis 9 the institution of capital punishment by the way that came from scripture and then we have it flushed out throughout and then the church in the new testament okay so there's three institutions that god god uh god instituted it is inconceivable that the god who created human government would expect that his followers would step out of human government and not be engaged in one of his institutions it's inconceivable yet that's what's happened in america we are founded on biblical judeo-christian values and that is an undeniable fact no matter what's in the history books now that is an undeniable fact and i'll share a little bit more about that in a moment but the fact is many christians have stepped out of it because it's a dirty business what do you expect when Christians take the light out of the public square, it's going to be a dirtier and dirtier business. And so I was stirred by this, and I'm thinking, uh, Lord, we have to take steps into this. And, and I'm, again, not looking for opportunities. The Lord brought them to me. And so at that point, uh, Faith Winds was looking for, uh, for some pastors across the state, particularly from uh, some of the states that were really uh, in, uh, in battle some pastors to lead the way, to lead the efforts in the state. And so I uh, pray, I'm prayed on this and, and realized that uh, Faith Winds wasn't some sort of you know, parachurch organization that was you know, just trying to do a sideline issue. It was really just trying to motivate the church, encourage the church. It was a, a man by the name of Chad Conley who I, who I say, hey, uh, this man's like a Daniel and, and wants to encourage pastors to be salt and light everywhere. And he's being uh, advised by men like um, Brother Paul Chapel and um, Bryn Armstrong and uh, some pastors that are, are respected in our country and uh, on, on his board of directors, and Brother Byron Fox is, is there and, 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 and helping him along and encouraging him and advising him. And so I thought, boy, this is, this is an opportunity. So the Lord opened up an opportunity in April 2021 to go up to Washington, D.C. to basically hear the vision of what Faith Wins is. So I was up there, and boy, you talk about a, a different sense. I'd been up there a couple years previous, but I'm telling you, the oppression over the city of Washington, D.C., the satanic oppression, the, the, the spirit that is up there, the, the chain link uh, fences, the, uh, the, uh, the mass mandate that was out in public. Not, I'm not talking about inside of buildings. I'm talking about out in, in on the streets, being cursed in the streets for not wearing a mask. I mean, uh, weird, uh, weird stuff going on up there. And it's just a, a city locked down. No, just a, a, not a free spirit at all. And, uh, and so I was up there, and we couldn't even meet in a, in a public way. We had to meet in a townhouse. So, you know, you have uh, uh, about 18 pastors from uh, 16 different states along with the speakers. We, we met up there in a uh, townhouse. And this man by the name of David Barton came and spoke to us. How many of you are familiar with the ministry of David Barton? So wall builders, I encourage you to look that up. He came and spoke to us, and he's a historian. And I began to hear, I went to Christian education, I began to hear things I had never heard before. I began to hear how that, and this is, if you walk away with something, what I'm saying out of this testimony, this is very important. I began to understand from history, from documents, not far-fetched you know, uh, writings that are, that are second and third hand, original documents that the direction of our nation was shaped by the pulpits of our nation and the pastors of our nation. I began to realize that the pastors of our nation right now that are saying we don't get involved in that type of stuff, we're sorely letting down our nation. And we think, well, we don't have, you know, might not have a large church. It does not matter at all. The pastors not being the moral compass for our nation and not standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord, not being the watchman of Ezekiel. There is a, a huge failure on the part of pastors in our nation uh, in that way. And so I, I came away from that meeting. I flew back home with this one thought in my mind our nation our direction as a as a, a christian nation was shaped and directed by the pulpits and pastors of our nation and i don't feel bad anymore about getting involved have to our country is going further and further away from god I have a, a personal responsibility. God called me to be a pastor, not just a pastor inside these four walls, but to be a pastor inside this community, and as, as far as the Lord allows. And so uh, as that happened, I, uh, I, I just got underscored for me that his role in our nation's founding was irreplaceable. He's the reason for our blessing. Does anyone know how, what is the average, uh, uh, average time frame for a constitution to be in, in effect for a nation in, in the world? 
what is the average number of years? 250 years? Anyone else? 100? Anyone else? 17. The average nation replaces its constitution every 17 years. Now, how, how long has the United States Constitution been in, 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 in play? All right, what did you say? 245? So it's not because we're a perfect nation. We're not a perfect nation. But here's the fact. The, the constitution of our, our nation, go back, and, and I, I can't do the, the justice of this. We're going we're gonna to give some history in, in the days to come that will help us underscore this. But we need to understand something tonight that, that our constitution, our basis was biblical principles. That is documented reality, is biblical principles. And as we step away from that, you can be guaranteed that our, our nation will crumble because we had a biblical foundation as a nation. There's where our stability came from. And so I'm, I'm learning this stuff and I'm thinking, Lord, you got to help me to make a difference. I, you've called me to be a pastor, but I, I'm learning this stuff and, and you have to help me to make a difference. So Chad asked, uh, asked me, I mentioned uh, me and 16, uh, me and about 18 other pastors to come up there. And there in D.C., uh, Billy Ingram was there as well and still is working with, um, with Faith Winds. And uh, in fact, Brother Billy Ingram publicly said this, God, I've been a two-thirds pastor. I've cared about the family and I've cared about the church, but I've not cared about government. Forgive me for being a two-thirds pastor from this day forward. I will be a three-thirds pastor. And so I'm watching some of these men that I, I respect and realize, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in something that's not worthwhile. Uh, there's some men that I, I, I trust their walk with God and trust their discernment. And so Brother Chad asked us to help him to radically advance in, the, in 2021, to radically advance the message of really just encouraging people to um, be um, believers to be salt and light in the public arena, to vote, to make sure that they're engaged, that they're not taking a step back, that even running for a, a elected office uh, as the Lord would would allow. And so over that over the, the next year, uh, we we hosted some meetings, we uh, do a lot of phone calls and, and so forth, host uh, host meetings. But that led uh, um, small pastors meetings that would lead up to a larger meeting, and we all were the benefactors on that uh, September. What was it? The twenty sixth over at Cornerstone Baptist Temple when we, uh, we met together and uh, heard uh, Brother David Barton give that, that speech. And if you've not, I want to encourage you. Maybe I'll send that back out. That was a tremendous historical perspective on, on our nation, was it not? Very, very helpful. And so that's what we're, we're doing. We're trying to give people in America. That happened. We had him for 40-plus meetings across the country, uh, three meetings here in Ohio, and we're bringing them back this, um, this year in Ohio in May and also in September. And uh, our, our purpose is to give people the why. Why stand up? Christians, why should you stand up or should you wash our hand, your hands of the country? Should you stand back and not engage in one of the spheres that God has given to us in, in this day? And so um, at every one of those meetings, the, the gospel is in, encouraged and, and preached. And uh, even that, that night, we gave a plea. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, tonight, we want to show you from the Bible. In some of those meetings, uh, the gospel is just preached outright. I know at one of the meetings, I got to uh, um, begin witnessing to one of uh, our U.S. Senate candidates, give him the Dunn book, and that's become an ongoing conversation, and uh, I believe he's very close unto receiving Jesus Christ. And so, um, I say all that to say, where does that leave me? I'm just one pastor in Ohio, uh, and it's the joy of my life to pastor here and what God is doing here. Uh, is the joy of my life, what God is doing in our uh, lives about prayer and uh, what God is even doing today as far as uh, uh, providing for our church family. It's the joy of my life and uh, was in a church on Sunday morning and felt myself in the middle of that service just saying, you know what, I miss grace. I miss grace. You know, there's just something about uh, where God has, has placed us. But you know, 
Uh, there are more pastors that are more knowledgeable. I think of a pastor friend of mine in Finley. Uh, he talks miles around my head, and he is a smart man, and he has much more experience. And I think, God, why in the world are you allowing me? Why are you, why are you allowing me to do this? 2000, uh, January 2022, um, Brother Chad Conley asked me if I would lead a, uh, in creating a pastor's network across our state. Remember that list I was talking about? Um, but I've been adding to that for, for years if I would help lead uh, and develop a pastor's network across our state that would really motivate pastors and thereby churches to engage not just in their communities, but to engage in the public arena as well. And uh, I'm going to share a video with you in just a, a little moment, but um, we saw what happened when the church stepped up in Virginia. Mark it down, the last election was, a, was an illustration of when God's people stand up for truth in the public arena righteousness wins. All right, if you don't, if you don't believe that, think about this. In, in Virginia, in fact, I, I, think it, I think it's actually on the video, so I'm not going to say it. If it's not on the video, I'll share it in a moment. But he asked me to help do that, so here's what I need you to do. I need your prayer. There's pastors across the state. I've talked to some. We don't get involved in that. All we're concerned about the four walls of their church. When they come and shut their church down, then they're going to want to be involved. And they've already tried that. They find the churches in our nation, it is not beyond them. Uh, down in Texas, they already subpoenaed pastors' sermons for any mention of, of homosexuality, for any mention and fi finding, going after it. it, is, it we are going into a day where religious freedom is coming under attack. And so we either stand and stand up for the freedom we have and be salt and light everywhere and put righteous people. When righteous are in rule, the people... Well, why would righteous people not want to put righteous people in, in rulership? So uh, as, as we do that, I want your prayer. Um, I, you've seen me encourage you about voting, uh, voting and, and being registered to vote. I hope every single one of you are registered to vote. Every member of Grace Baptist Church ought to be registered to vote and ready to vote. And you ought to take your personal diligence to be doing the study to make sure that you're ready to cast an informed vote according to biblical values. It is right for me to say that. It's legal for me to say that. And here, uh, and if you want an opinion on who I'm voting for, you come talk to me personally. But the fact is, every, every believer ought to vote. That vote does not belong to you. That belongs to Jesus. That is your voice in the public arena. And if you think that that is not, if it's not biblical or if it's off topic for me to be talking about this tonight, do you understand that this is right where the rubber meets the road? This is where we affect society. If we are not salt and light out there, where are we salt and light? In here? Now, I, I realize we need to be salt and light at doors, but there's more places than doors to share the gospel, and there's more places than doors to stand up for the truth. So we're building a pastor's network here to encourage pastors. I talked to a pastor on Friday. He says, we just don't know what to do. Well, come along. We'll help you. We'll encourage you. We'll get you connected with, with resources and all this being for the glory of God. So Faith Wins provides, as you hear me talk about that from time to time, we, we get, uh, we get uh, connected with Ken Fielder doing missionary work over in India or the Mahdi Project or other places around. We connect, we partner with them uh, to accomplish something uh, as an extension of Grace Baptist Church. All Faith Wins is, is a, a a spiritual institution, ministry that desires to impact the public arena and to lead pastors or give pastors an avenue through which to do that and give churches an avenue through which to do that. So all we're doing is it's another extension, another way to share the gospel, another way to promote truth, another way to stand up for righteousness in this day and age. It's not some parachurch organization that doesn't want to be a, uh, uh, draw away from the church. It wants to extend the church in an, area, um, in an area that the church has stepped out of in so many ways. And so um, we look forward to how the Lord will do that. Um, and if you, have other, if you have questions, I'm certainly uh, interested in talking to you about that. But I'd like to encourage you as an action step, number one, pray. Pray uh, very much that the Lord will uh, raise up a group of men. Brother Gordon Dixon and I, a pastor friend of mine who's helping out with this, we're going to get pastors together and we're going to pray and fast just like they did over the state of Virginia. We're going to pray and fast and uh, get pastors across. Don't you think that that would be right? Doesn't that sound like Second Chronicles 7.14? Right? 
And it's not just pastors that need to do that. It's, it's all of us that need to do that. But this is, this is not a side issue. People ask me all the time, oh, well, you going to that political uh, organization or that political meeting? No, I'm going to a spiritual meeting of pastors that has a political impact. Do you understand the difference? There's a big, 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 big difference. It's a spiritual meeting. Boy, I was at a meeting uh, on, on Friday, uh, and it was so wonderful to see uh, God's men all together there praying. In fact, I shared that story about the God's, uh, God uh, raising the money for the Ukrainian Bible, that project. That happened at a meeting, like at one of these meetings. It was just God's men together wanting to do the right thing. And so... Um, I want to I show a video uh, from Faith, um, Faith Wins. And uh, again, the deacons asked me, because I took this trip this past week, the deacons asked me, hey, we want to know more about what, what you're involved in. So that's why I'm taking the time tonight uh, to share that so that you can come alongside, you can ask questions. And so guys, would you show that first video uh, there and concerning Faith Wins? What would happen if just... Four to five percent of those 30 to 40 million non-voting Christians got off the sidelines, registered to vote, and showed up at the polls. The church will have a voice. My name is Chad Conley. When I founded Faith Wins, it was to spread the truth that God's role in America is irreplaceable. Faith wins when people of faith vote their values. Our mission is laser-focused on educating, activating, and mobilizing faith leaders providing them with the tools, the resources, and the messaging to leverage their impact in the political and the governmental arenas. We cultivate, develop relationships with pastors who share the whole counsel of God, who stand for truth. In just a few short years, we've engaged with over 50,000 faith leaders from all 50 states. We've done hundreds of meetings with some of America's leading congressmen, senators, political thought leaders, pastors, and more. And most importantly, we've actually registered over one million new evangelical voters during an unprecedented time, an unparalleled success, and all accomplished with just a part-time team. People ask me all the time, what's the secret? It's God's ordained from the pulpit to the pews, committed to faith, family, and freedom, because with Him, all things are possible. This, 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 this is our 1776 moment. Now more than ever, America's founding principles that were built on biblical values are under attack. The battle for the soul of our nation has never been greater than it is today. God has commanded us as his children to be salt and light. America's great awakenings and revivals have always begun in the local church. People of faith, do not underestimate your influence. You can influence policy decisions and elect public servants with a grounded biblical view who will stand for religious freedom. Support traditional marriage and the family. Defend and support Israel. A voice for the unborn. People who will defend our democracy and have secure elections. If believers won't step up to the plate and get involved, who will? 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 You know, it's really not about politics or party or politicians or personality. It's about policies and principles that most closely align with our biblical worldview, from the courthouse to the state house to the White House and beyond. That gives you a little overview. Sheila and I were down at uh, what I would, I would love to bring every single one of you there, uh, the American AJE, the American Journey Institute, and, or uh, experience that's down in Dallas, Texas. That is right on the same campus. It used to be um, uh, Paramount Studios, and uh, so Glenn Beck has bought that, that, um, that area, and his studios are in one building. We did not get a tour. I'm bummed about that of his TV studios, but uh, um, the other uh, over there, he had found that Brother Barton had just many of these documents just kind of in a warehouse, and he says, no, 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 these need to be, like, protected. Brother Barton has 167,000 original documents of American history. Bibles, uh, I got to hold in my hand an original document on vellum from John Adams. 
I mean, just fantastic history, uh, uh, proclamations from John Hancock on prayer, and so on. So we were in, <clears throat> inside there. If you ever get to Dallas, you need, you need to go here. And uh, we hope to bring pastors down there and show, uh, show them as well. Um, but there, uh, he was sharing the story of, of the true story, why Ben-Hur, the, it, most of you have probably watched that, what that was all about, and how that, that became, uh, um, in that year, uh, uh, the second best-selling um, next to the Bible, uh, uh, the book there. And, and uh, they even have the, down there at the, uh, the American Journey Experience, they have the chariot from Ben-Hur. They have some other just uh, artifacts um, there just of, uh, of interest. Uh, Brother, Brother Batiste, you'll enjoy this, uh, this little uh, uh, inside that, that uh, frame there. That's one of the lunar Bibles that went to the moon. Um, one of the 412 lunar Bibles on micro, a micro script, something like that. Uh, so th uh, they, have, they have that. Here I'm holding George Washington's compass. I'm holding George Washington's compass there. That's unbelievable. He used that for 54 years in his surveying work. So there's all these different artifacts, some that are, that are spiritual in nature, but others that are just, just very, very interesting. Uh, the ring there is a little bit more uh, interesting. I don't, have the, I don't remember the whole story around it, but it's actually a, a, a ring. Uh, you can't really see it, but inside of there is a lock from George Washington's hair. So I don't know. Anyway, for whatever that's worth, that's interesting. Uh, right here, Brother Barton's holding up. Uh, the Bible that the Congress had printed and recommended to be read in the public schools. Now, I'm telling you, we've come a long way, a long way. Um, but that, that's there. Here's a, a, a prayer proclamation from John Hancock. In fact, John Hancock had 22 prayer um, proclamations, and on there he was calling for a day of fasting, prayer, and humiliation before God. Don't we need that again? Oh, we do. By the way, uh, I believe it was Kansas, uh, they called for a day of prayer, and they used that same verbiage, and people were offended that they were calling for the humiliation of people. No, 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 no. We're calling, talking about humiliation before God, humbling ourselves before God. So this is inside the, the vault there. Uh, just all these documents, that's not all of them, but it, they, we spent hours in there and sharing with pastors. Why do pastors need to know this? Psalm 78 tells us if we don't know our history, we don't know what God did in the past, what? We're doomed to repeat the mistakes of history. That's what's going on in our nation right now. They're whitewashing our history. They're, they're reorienting, rewriting our history, revising it. And friends, there's a generation that's coming up that does not even realize that God had a part in the founding of our nation. And that what's going on here is truly spectacular. Do you realize, do you realize that 80% of the mission's money that funds missions around the world comes from 4% of the world's population, which is the United States of America? Is it any wonder that Satan has the crosshairs on our nation? Friends, we're in a spiritual battle. This is not some just, you know, political, uh, political. We're in a spiritual battle for the soul of our nation. And so in there, just learning all this, this history, and I, we tried to write down, Sheila's taking pictures, I'm taking pictures, trying to write down, but I feel like I, so much to absorb, but just overwhelmed by the fact that there is, there is so much there. Uh, saw many, many uh, editions of the Bible uh, that were not only printed for school, but printed for the blind. There's a, there's a case in there. They had this Bible that was printed for the blind. It's imprinted. The words are imprinted, not Braille, but the words are imprinted, and it's eight volumes. It, it's about this, this tall, wouldn't you say, about this wide, eight volumes of printed for the blind. There was a passion to get God's word into people's hands in our nation. That was a foundational heart of our, of our nation. And so seeing that, some of you may recognize this, uh, this man. He came and spoke, uh, Mr. Uh, Brother Bob McEwen. He was one of our, the United States, um, United States uh, representative, uh, and he lives here in Ohio still. God, uh, that man knows scripture and quotes scripture and uh, has a heart for, for pastors, has a heart for what God's doing there. Uh, the Lord allowed um, me to be on an interview for a radio program for a lady out from Arizona and uh, told the story, uh, the story of how God's led me into ministry, but also the story of how God's led me into some of these things. And uh, then this is the pastor's uh, meeting down there uh, about, uh, from last year up in Washington, D.C., about 18 pastors uh, to about 70, 80 people that were gathered at this one. Uh, some pastors I know, Brother Dennis, you know this uh, individual, Brother um, Brother Gordon Dixon uh, was down there. He pastors Calvary Baptist in Troy. Brother Dixon has become a right hand and a, a, a super blessing to me. 
I, and this is where I feel I'm 37, he's been in the ministry 38, he's been in the ministry a long time, but he's come right alongside and he believes in this and he's putting things together. So certainly uh, appreciate his leadership in our state. And you, you say, well, pastor, are you getting off focus here from what you're doing? Listen, there's a lot of pastors that I, I look at and respect and, uh, and God has used that, that are doing the same thing and leading along. And so I, I value their, their example. Here we are with the Bartons down there and uh, Tim Barton, their son, and uh, Brother David Barton. God has really used him uh, just uh, there in the ministry, opening it up in the Pledge of Allegiance. I want to talk a little bit about what happened in uh, Virginia um, two years ago. The governor of Virginia led in applause for this, allowing babies that were tried to be on that, that there was an attempted abortion and they survived the attempted abortion passed a law, and then cheered for it to allow the baby to die comfortably on the operating table. Is that not wicked? Is that, is that satanic? Should any Christian be okay with that? Okay, so, so the church got involved. They identified and, and registered 77,000 new evangelical voters. They got 1,300 poll watchers. Don't you understand that, that there's... There's some cheating that goes on, injustice that goes on. They got together 13. There were undocumented people, illegal immigrants into our nation that were, were the poll watchers in Virginia. And so churches like ours said, you know what, we're going to go be the poll watchers and we're going to stand watch over this and do the right thing. Isn't it okay to stand for truth in that, in that way? Isn't it okay? Are, are we, okay, so they did. And you know what, God... No, no one said it was possible, but they swept all three statewide offices, the governor, lieutenant governor, and the attorney general of the state, and there are born-again believers in these places now. So much so that uh, Byron Fox, he has, he has received, he had like around 40 calls from the, the, the governor around the, the election and after the election. When Byron Fox's wife was in the hospital, Glenn Youngkin, the, uh, the new governor, calls him and says, how's it going? And uh, by the way, I'm not calling to talk to you. I want to talk to your wife. And he prays, reads scripture with her on the phone, and prays for her for about 15 minutes on the phone, the governor of Virginia. On, on Inauguration Day, he gathers his staff, his wife, and on the steps of the Capitol there in Virginia, he prays, and he prays in Jesus' name. Listen, one governor <laughs> cheering for the death of a baby to another governor praying publicly in Jesus' name. The church got involved and the miracle happened. Goliath fell over in Virginia. And listen, it's possible here. We're asking God to do the same thing. There is a, there is a group of, of pastors here in our state that are asking God to do the same thing, that righteousness might be advanced in our state. We're not saying we, we want to preach the gospel everywhere we can. We want to preach the gospel to every candidate. We want to, last, last week when I prayed at the, at the state house, I, I prayed in Jesus' name, and I prayed 2 Chronicles 7.14 and brought my Bible right up into the speaker as well. We want to advance righteousness everywhere that we possibly, uh, everywhere that we possibly can. So here the, uh, the Virginia team, the Faith Wins Virginia team, uh, was giving an account for uh, what happened there in Virginia. It was a mighty move of God. It was a mighty move of God, and it was amazing to see what God did over there. Brother Chapel challenged us about having a biblical worldview. Uh, Glenn Beck came over and spoke to us and pled with us to be involved and gave us some just startling things that is right now happening in the world scene. Uh, Satan is working in the world, but so is in God. And, uh, and one of the things that stood out to me, Brother Barton brought out this, this fact, there's about 384,000 lead pastors in America. Now, that's all across different denominations and so on. But you divide that down, and Barna did some research, and, uh, and you divide that down, and uh, some of them don't even, don't even believe all the Bible, which we, we can understand that. But you divide the ones down that do believe the Bible, 28% uh, do, uh, do believe the Bible, 90% uh, say uh, the Bible addresses contemporary issues, 90% uh, say that they have no plans to address these issues in their pulpits. And uh, what, what the statistic actually is that only 2.8% of pastors in America are willing to address public issues that are going on in the public arena in their pulpits and in their messages. And is it any wonder we're in the shape we are in America? Because Satan has lied to the pastors and to the Christians of our nation saying it has no place in the church house. 
It has no place. And friends, by the way, uh, those that are anti-God, they get together and they meet and they strategize and, and Satan uses them. And so, um, do you know what's also interesting? Uh, Senator, or uh, uh, former Representative Bob McEwen, he mentioned this. Uh, he, is, he has personal connection with the man in Ukraine that has set up more than 70 uh, prayer breakfasts or prayer meetings in the, in the nation of Ukraine and that are even going now. During his talk, the, the, the leader of those prayer meetings had, had called him and reached out to him. He said this, he said those, those men, those pastors in Ukraine, they, the, the believers there, they pray, they get together and pray. About the first half hour, they pray for the needs of their own, their own country. And about the second half hour, he says they pray for America because they know if America falls, they were going to get rolled over. Friends, I said this a little bit ago, but there's a lot of blame on the on on the Christians of our nation for where we are right now in the world. And this is not the time to back down. This is the time to step up and go forward. And if you have any strength, it is now time for you to be asking the question, God, what do you want me to do practically even beyond praying? I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. But what, what practical step do you want uh, me to do in order to get involved? And uh, I thought this is an interesting quote, and some of you might remember this. Uh, Charles Finney said, uh, God will bless or curse this nation according to the course, of uh, the course Christians take in politics. And all he's saying is that's, that's, that is the public affairs of our nation. And if we have taken the light of Jesus Christ and the light of truth out of that, they want it out. Do you realize that right now, do you realize that a couple years, a couple years back, it was outlawed in our state house to pray in Jesus' name? Do you know who did that, who the Speaker of the House was at that point? The man who is our Lieutenant Governor right now. There is an all-out battle against Jesus and God's truth in our, in our nation. Friends, we have to stand up in this day. We have to stand up in this day. And so uh, one of my friends here in the state, one of these days I'll uh, like for you to, to meet him, uh, Gary Click. He is a representative right now. He has is, uh, is, uh, uh, sponsored a bill that would prohibit uh, medical institutions from forcing or suggesting um, gender change uh, surgeries and so on to kids under 18, which don't you agree that that would be a good thing to, to tell kids not to do that? You know, you know, why don't you wait till you get to an age that maybe, maybe 10 and 11-year-olds ought not be making that decision right now and ought not be coerced by doctors who, uh, who, are, who have uh, uh, financial interests? Don't you, don't you think that would be a good thing? So right now, here's a man that's standing up against it. Yes. Very good. He's on it. Praise the Lord. And I, that was in my notes, but he's on it. Gary Click sent a quick uh, um, greeting to you all. My friends, this is Pastor Gary Click from the Fremont Baptist Temple in Fremont, Ohio. I am also state representative to Ohio's 88th District. And I wanted to just give a quick shout out and a quick word to your church and say, first of all, Thank you for allowing Pastor Josiah Kagan to be engaged and to be involved. He's a great friend of mine. He is an inspiration and he is a help. And the work that he does with Faith Winds is crucial to what's taking place here in Ohio. You know, God ordained three institutions. He ordained the family, God ordained the church, and God ordained civil government. And God has never abandoned anything that he started. And when we look in the scriptures, we see, for instance, Psalms 11.3 which says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And there is an effort out there today to destroy the foundations of our nation, the foundations that were built on the scriptures. It was a godly foundation. It was a Christian foundation. And let me tell you, there are people out there chipping away at it every day. And that's why we need people like your pastor and, and Brother Chad Conley and Faith Winds to be involved and engaged in this process. You know, Edmund Burke said one time, he said, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And it's not enough for us to sit and throw things at our television set or to shred the newspaper. We have to be engaged. God ordained it and God desires it. And if you look all throughout the scriptures, you will see men of God making a difference in the political realm. And your pastor is one of them. So I want to thank you for him. And I pray for you. And I ask God to bless your church for your involvement in this realm and in this arena. God bless you all. So here, and one of these days you need to meet him, but here, uh, here, well, you'll have to click the next slide in a second here. He's holding up um, uh, 
sermons from our, our nation's history. It's amazing what the, um, the pastors and preachers of our nation preached about. And they preached, if, if it happened in the news, they preached about it and applied the scripture to it. So one of, one of the ways that I try to go about that is, is simply taking, including it in application points in the, in the message along the way. We need to be aware. How does the Bible apply in our day? Can you give me the next slide? This is what we need to remember. Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Nowhere does God exclude what happens inside the, inside the walls of government. In fact, do you remember one of, one of Paul's itching desires, urgent desires, was to go where? To Rome and to do what? Preach the gospel there. So uh, Brother Fox often says there's only one book that's going to raise the level of righteousness in our country. It's this book, and there's only one group of people that's going to raise the right, a level of righteousness, and it's believers, and we want to take the gospel everywhere, including there. And you need to be praying about some of these, uh, some of these uh, candidates that are running right now. We're, we're working to see them come to the Lord. Brother Click's witnessing to them. We, boy, we just praise the Lord when we have the opportunity to witness to them. And there's many people to witness to. Uh, we must witness to our neighbors. We must witness here in our city. We need to get the Easter flyers out the, um, this week and next. Uh, we need to witness everywhere. But we don't want to exclude those folks as well. So I hope that, that gives, uh, gives some help. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you've not yet registered to vote, tomorrow's the deadline uh, to do that. And make sure that you use your, to vote in the primary, not in the general, but to vote in the primary. So make sure you do that. You can do that online and get that solved even tonight. And so I encourage you uh, about that. All right, so I, f I feel like I want to read a passage of Scripture, and I want to show you some of my, my biblical basis on this. And I'm not going to preach. I'm going um, to leave that to next week uh, to preach this message. And we'll go further next week. But Titus, can you turn to Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11? And then I'm going to open it up just if you have any questions about what I've said tonight, okay? Titus 2 and verse number 11. I want to show this to you. And then, guys, if we can be ready uh, to get the tally uh, for the offering to us, and let's rejoice in the Lord and what he's done for our church even this, uh, this week, okay? So Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Now, remember this. We dealt with the first uh, 10 verses of Titus, where, which was Titus... You're to speak the things that concern sound doctrine, all right? You're to apply, you're to apply God's truth. You're to take, you're going to take the sound doctrine, you're going to apply it down into people's lives. You're to teach the older men. Help me out here. Who's next? The, the aged, the, the, as we say around here, the mature ladies, right? Right? And then what are the mature ladies supposed to do? Okay, and you ladies did a fantastic job after we, when we talked about that at the baby shower and all mixing and mingling together. You did a great job. Okay, and then what was next? Who's the next group? The young men. The young men. Okay, so you're to take this, and basically it's to be across the generations. God's truth is to be applied all over, and then it was to be applied to Titus as the preacher. It was to be applied to servants, which we, we said can be applied to all of us, uh, the Bible does, uh, does not condone slavery in any, in any way, um, but it was a cultural element at that point, and God, and God gave instruction in that. But we can apply that right into our, our positions as employees and, and so on, that we're not to drag our feet, we're to give an honest day's uh, labor, and so on and so forth. And so all this is said, these are practical matters. What's the biblical basis for that? What's the biblical foundation for living that, on this type of life, for having this functioning inside the church? Uh, chap on chapter 2, verse 11, let's read it out loud together. Ready, begin. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Go on. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Okay? So did you notice... The grace of God, and we'll touch on this next week when we get to on, and, and dig into this passage, but the grace of God that brings salvation and the grace of God that brings sanctification. In verse number 11, sanctification. It tells us what not to do, and it tells us how we ought to behave. Did you notice what it says there? How we ought to live soberly, righteously, and godly? Where? Inside the church? Inside your home, for sure. All, just inside there. No, in the world. Right now, everywhere you are in the world. 
Do you realize, do you realize what I've just said for the last, this testimony has everything to do with what God has called us to do in this age? If we're just living our godly lives right here, and we're really godly in here, but it doesn't do any effect out there. We're like salt staying inside the salt shaker. We're like a light that's never been turned on. Salt has to touch in order to influence. By the way, the Bible says we can lose our saltiness, doesn't he? Right? We can lose it. We're, we're not good for anything. There's a lot of good for nothing. And I don't mean that in a nasty way, but a lot of good for nothing Christianity going on today where it's not very salty. It's not very... It's not very distinct. It's not, it's not preserving against evil. It's not staying back the, the evil. It's not illuminating the darkness and showing the evil. Just kind of keeping to ourselves. So when I, when I consider this matter of living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, friends, we have a message. We have a life to bring out there this week. Get the Easter cards. Invite everyone you can this week. Ask God. We prayed ahead of the service. Lord, would you give every member of our church the opportunity to share the gospel this week? Do you think that would please God? I need to. You need to. Let's take the light out there. But let's pray, as God told us, for those that are, that, that are in government and are, have leadership positions. Let's be praying for them this week. Let's pray, God, would you bring more pastors together in the state uh, that, that will have a heart to lead in this way? Let's, let's pray about that. Let's be engaging with our voice and, and, and praying about that, studying the candidates and praying about that. Lord, I want the, the one that's going to most honor you and the one that's going to make the decisions that most please you in that office. I want to vote for the right person. Be praying about that. You've got a month to do your homework. Let's be praying for those that have heard the gospel to come to Jesus Christ. Listen, this is all about living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present, in this present world. So we'll deal with that a little bit more next week. And I want to just encourage you, this is not a side issue to the church. This is a, a part of the function of the church, which is a called-out assembly from the world to Jesus Christ so that it can influence the world. You with me on that? That's what we are to be doing. We are salt and light to the world. Some people think we're just salt and light inside the, the auditoriums. No, uh, we're salt and light to the world. That's where we are. And we are not to be hid on a hill. There's a lot of hiding inside of church houses. We need to take it out there. Take Jesus Christ out there. Let him influence. And I trust that some of this has made sense, and uh, it's, it's very hard to throw it all, uh, all down, but... Could we just take a few minutes, uh, a few more minutes uh, tonight? Are there any questions that you might have? Yes, sir. Very interesting. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Absolutely.
can I just add to that, that very point right there? That, that school administrator in Fort Worth, Texas that brought about the bathroom confusion and the gender confusion in Fort Worth, Texas, won by 1,200 votes. There was a church that was nearby, a large church nearby with 3,000 registered voters in it. Now tell me where the responsibility for that type of stuff uh, happening doesn't lie. That's, that's just uh, majorly alarming. Amen. Amen. I appreciate Brother Mike um, of his own will deciding to come down, and uh, I, I really enjoyed having him there and be able to see what's going on. Um, so I wanted to share that. I appreciate the, the deacons mentioning, hey, we'd like, to, we'd like for you to share a little bit about that. I hope that's been insightful. Any other questions? All right. Um, you send it to me. All right, here we go. Can we, uh, can we find guys back there to God be the glory? Because we're going to sing that. Uh, you know, God is working in our church. It's been overwhelming to see what the Lord has done, and uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, so, Brother Mike, don't actually see it. All right, well, why don't you come on up here? hand me the phone or something like that. Thank you. All right, so uh, today in the Conquerors Through Christ offering, um, the cash offering this morning, uh, or today, was $10,287. The pledges um, was, well, I should go on, the online offering was uh, $6,635. The pledges for the next three months or $8,460, and that brings us up to a total of $25,382. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and God is good. And so there was $16,922 that was collected today to God be the glory, amen? Let's stand and just thank the Lord for that in song. And uh, that goes a long way to allowing us to get well on this mission and uh, thank the Lord for your, your faithfulness in giving uh, to him. And uh, I, I mentioned this morning uh, that nothing given to God, nothing given to God is lost. And don't you believe that? Praise the Lord. God is good. And let's sing together. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Let's sing. 
To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Well, I'm just thanking the Lord, right, as we sing that, that song, because some of the big items we can get right going on that, uh, especially that camera system, and get that taken care of for the glory of God and for the protection of this church body. God's good, and God, that's a miracle today. We're not a big band. God did wonders in our sight today. We need to remember that. You need to go home knowing today that God is working in this church family. Do you believe that? I do, and uh, it's a great thing to be a part of. Every one of us is a great thing to be a part of. Praise the Lord. Brother Caleb? Over this time, Christine, would you like to go ahead and come up? Um, the ladies had an idea uh, last month to do something special. Uh, so this, uh, Christine's going to make the announcement. Uh, but the ladies came up with this. It was their idea. They, saw, they started it and they saw it through. So Christine, go ahead. So for those of you that don't know, March is Pastor's Wife Appreciation Month. So ma'am, you need to come up here. <laughs> Disclaimer. The other brains behind this, they're homesick. So for those of you watching, I miss you. I'm really lonely up here. <laughs> so um, March is Pastor's Wife Appreciation Month. So I'm going to let you take these because I talk with my hands. And um, this actually came about because of the hour of prayer. So there was a group of us ladies that was like, hey, did you know March is Pastor's Wife Appreciation Month? And so we pulled our brains together, and we decided that – um, it's right and it is befitting to show the lady behind the man how much we appreciate her. Growing up, I was raised and taught that he can only do what she does at home. So she is the backbone of him and she is his support. And I think timing is perfect after what we've heard about Pastor's heart. We need to pray for this lady because he's only going to be able to do the support that she gives him. So, we have a stack of cards. <laughs> you may be getting more, you may have already gotten some. But we also collected a special gift for her. Disclaimer is, you can't spend it on your family. <laughs> you have to spend this on you and you only. Because we very much appreciate you and we love you. Thank you. It's very sweet, thank you. That, that means the world. Um, I told, uh, told you all when you, you all, uh, the deacons, uh, blessed the pastor's wives that came here. I said, you encourage the pastor, uh, the pastor's wives, and you encourage the pastor. And that means the, the world to me. Uh, she traveled uh, 2,000 miles. In fact, the, the pastor's wives being at that retreat down in Dallas was her idea. She pitched it to, uh, to Brother Chad Conley. He goes, I like that idea. And then they didn't release the mask mandate uh, scientifically on the airplanes. And so um, what, what happened is my wife medically can't travel with, uh, with the, the mask, so we drove it 2,000 uh, miles in the car. It's a lot of driving over the past week. And so we are thankful for the Lord's safety. But uh, over and over, I, I love having my wife with me on different things like that. She is um, more, than, more than you know, and as you aptly said, um, she is... She's a backbone. She's called to this as much as I am. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for doing that. That, that means the world. It really does. Love you all. And uh, God's done good things. Uh, go home, get some rest tonight. And uh, may the Lord use us this week. And uh, let's just honor him. Mind the Lord and it'll all be all right. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Mm -hmm.